0: Father, we worship you, we praise you, we declare this evening again, Mali Bongwe. May you be praised. Father, we thank you that you are faithful. We praise you, we thank you that you are our way maker. And we thank you, Lord, even that you open the heavens and pour out your blessing upon us. Thank you for your presence with us this evening as we worship you, as we praise you. We long to see you high and lifted up. And Lord, as we meditate on your word, as we think about faith and about keeping the faith right now, Lord, we ask that you yourself would be ministering to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Andrea and Uncle Peter and Kayla and Claire with um, Josh (laughs) and... Um, Jess and Jordan in the background, thank you for leading us this evening. Um, This is what Hebrews 11 says, verses 1 to 6. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So this evening is the last of our letters in our letter series. And I want to start off our last letter in the words of James, who was the half-brother of Jesus. James tells us to consider it joy when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure your faith is forced into the open and shows its true colours. So don't try to get out of any challenges prematurely. Allow the challenge to do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Anyone who meets a testing challenge head-on and manages to stick it out is very fortunate. For such a person who is loyally in love with God will receive the reward which is life and more life. Don't let anyone under pressure to give, to give in to evil say, God is trying to trip me up. God is in fact resistant to evil and puts evil in no one's way. The temptation to give in to evil comes from us and only us. We have no one to blame but the staring, seducing flare-up of our own lust. Lust gets pregnant and has a baby. And that baby is sin. Sin grows up into adulthood and then becomes a real killer. James's words show us he really doesn't want us to get thrown off course. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to lose our faith. In fact, he wants us to keep our faith. James sets us the challenge to be doers of the word and not just hearers of it. I think at the heart of what James is trying to get us to understand is that our faith must be practical and steadfast. But what happens when you meet a challenge head on and struggle to keep the faith? What happens if the season that you find yourself in right now overwhelms you to the point that you start to even doubt your own faith? The knock-on effects of this coronavirus pandemic has affected so many areas of our lives. What if it has even affected your faith? What then? You may find yourself feeling wounded, as though once you were a strong runner, but now you walk with a limp. Don't even mention running. Walking with a limp is the best that you can master. This image of walking with a limp reminds me of a story in the Bible, the story of Jacob. So let me remind you of the story and set the scene from Genesis chapter 32. Jacob limped forward and bowed again. It was hard to get up. His hip was still pained from the previous night's struggle. With every step that brought him closer to his brother, he became more terrified. Last night, this fear caused him to send everyone else across the river and stay behind alone. Jacob wanted to pray by himself because he didn't know what else to do. Years before, Jacob had twice cheated his brother. First, he swindled Esau from his birthright for a bowl of steel, and later he tricked his blind father into giving him Esau's blessing. Esau had been angry and vowed revenge. So Jacob ran away, traveling hundreds of kilometers to stay with relatives in Mesopotamia. The brothers Jacob and Esau had not seen each other for 20 years. Esau was a mighty hunter, a tough guy, who knew how to kill. Jacob, however, was a shepherd and probably a mommy's boy. In a straight fight between Jacob and Esau, Jacob would have lost, and he knew this. So when Jacob heard that Esau was approaching with 400 men who were probably armed, he was scared to death. Jacob had a family full of women and children. He had flocks and herds and shepherds. He had a handful of armed guards to protect the livestock from predators, but not an army. He could neither fight nor escape. If Esau acted on his threat, Jacob and his clan would be like lambs to the slaughter. Verse 24 of chapter 32 of the book of Genesis tells us that Jacob had an unexpected wrestling match with someone that very night. He had sent everyone away and he prayed alone. And then a stranger came and fought him. They wrestled until daybreak. When something strange had occurred, the opponent touched the socket of his thigh, dislocating it. All Jacob could do was keep holding on to this opponent. He demanded a blessing from one so obviously powerful, and the wrestling opponent then changed Jacob's name to Israel, which means he who persists with God. Was it really God with whom Jacob had struggled? And was it really God who had injured him? For now his situation had worsened. He was already unable to fight Esau, and now he has a limp. He had prayed for deliverance, but instead, God had weakened him further. Sending gifts before him and placing his family behind him, Jacob now cautiously approaches Esau, bowing seven times in homage. No point in taking an aggressive stance. Nothing to do but show submission and hope for the best. Imagine then his relief when Esau runs to him and wraps him in what must have been a crushing embrace. Jacob and Esau were reconciled that day. It would appear that the one in whom Jacob had placed his faith had answered his prayer. Jacob had kept the faith. He remained steadfast despite his limp and was rewarded. I think we can all empathize with Jacob here, despite his poor decisions that brought him to this point. We ourselves currently face a situation that has us feeling forlorn and weak. We can't think of anything to do. We struggle to pray. And when we do pray, we pray for God to rescue us. But the situation gets worse. Perhaps you already have too much debt, so you pray, and then you hear that you may not have a job anymore. Perhaps you get bad news from the doctor, so you pray, and then you start feeling really sick. Perhaps you had plans for how you thought this year would end, so you pray, and it seems as though you might as well write off the rest of this year. I imagine that that is how Moses and the Hebrews must have felt when Pharaoh stopped giving them straw in Exodus chapter 5, and how Gideon must have felt when God reduced his army from 32,000 men to 300 in Judges chapter 6 and 7. Yet in all these situations, God is victorious. This is what God said to Gideon in Judges chapter 7. The people who are with you are too many for me to give Midian into their hands. For Israel would become boastful, saying, My own power has delivered me. God delivers his people, but he wants there to be no doubt about who has delivered them. It is not the size of the army. It is not the strength. It is not the intellect, the zeal, the money, or any other human resource. And this theme reaches its high point in God's triumph over sin on the cross with Jesus Christ. There's nothing anyone could do to defeat sin. It was always an insurmountable enemy. And while God never tempts anyone to sin, As we heard James say a little bit earlier, he does put his people in places and situations where temptation and hardship are inevitable. Jesus sends his disciples out as sheep among wolves, as it says in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16. Throughout the Bible story, God's people are never safe from the threat of temptation and the realities of suffering. They are surrounded by people and nations who do not know God or his ways, who call evil good and who call good evil, and who want them to do the same. As if I don't have enough tendency to sin within myself, I must constantly also be enticed from without and then things in life go wrong and i must contend with the fact that while god is good life is hard and when i think my faith cannot be stretched anymore god allows some other injury something worse happens and then i must limp toward that which i fear hoping in the God who allows me to be weakened, that he will somehow deliver me. So let me pose this question to you. What will you choose? Will you believe this God who promises good to you, or will you believe what you can grasp and accomplish? Will you walk by faith, or will you walk by sight? I want to encourage you to keep to the faith, to continue to walk by faith, not by sight. Hebrews chapter 11 and 6 tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God. This means that faith is not one of the things that you need, It is the key thing that you need if you want to experience God. So faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, even when it doesn't feel so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. I feel it important that during this season, We should not trust our feelings more than we trust our faith. Walking by our feelings rather than by our faith would probably lead us into dangerous territory. When we read through Hebrews 11, we see that faith is not something that stays only in the heart, nor something that stays only in the mind, it is described as an act of both the mind and the heart that manifests itself in the actions of people. It begins with reason and is brought to completion with action. So then if Jacob allowed his faith to be an idea or a feeling without acting on it, Jacob would not have experienced breakthrough in his relationship with his brother Esau. If Jacob had short-circuited his faith by being too worried about his limp or his fear, he wouldn't have moved forward. And so if you don't act on your faith, you won't move forward either. Faith is confidence in Jesus' ability to bring you through every circumstance of life. And you will mess up in many ways, but by faith you know that Jesus is Lord of every trial and Saviour from every temptation. Jesus is with you and for you. Jesus will not mess up his own work which is to save you and on the last day present you to the Father without fault and with great joy. So, keep the faith and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And he who is able to keep you from falling will bring to completion the good work that he has started in you, even if you have a lump. And tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are faithful, that you are our way maker. Lord, we thank you that even though we face challenges from all sides and even though we feel weak and even though we feel like we have a limp that you remain with us that you continue to carry us that you never leave us nor forsake us that your plans to prosper us continue that they remain despite the challenges that we face and we thank you for that lord so father we ask that you continue to to be with us continue to presence yourself with us as we struggle through this difficult season help us to keep the faith in jesus name